1: Training Tuesday. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday.
0: Bracken, Bracken, Bracken. So good to see you. It's good to be seeing this morning. How are you doing this morning, Bracken? It's Monday morning. You look, um, you look settled. And I don't know if you should take it as a compliment. You look good. (laughs) I look settled. You look settled. I'm settled. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more. This is the look of
1: someone who can't adjust in their seat because their legs hurt too much.
0: Oh, well, you're faking it then. You look very comfortable. Where where is super sore on you?
1: I'm happy. It's almost entirely quads and almost entirely the lower half of quads and then a bit of glutes as well. And that is it. Almost nothing else is sore at all. If I crunch up my shoulder blades and scrunch my shoulders, I can find a little bit of trap soreness. But it's it's all quads. Well
0: I'll tell you what, you gave me something to watch this weekend, and it was very exciting from a viewer's standpoint. Why don't you tell the people why don't you tell the people what you did on Saturday morning? And also tell the people why me and you are emailing At 5 a.m. on race morning. You shouldn't be on email. Race morning, Bracken. Well, I raced
1: for the first time in over a year. Mm -hmm. And it went well. Last week, I talked about I'm kind of terrified right now because my workouts, I did three prep workouts for this. And all three felt like I knocked it out of the park without being too trashed. And that's really worrisome. But race day kind of proved that those workouts weren't lying. I had some fitness. It was enough to to pull some semblance of my own weight, and Rich Ryan did all the rest, and we had a good day. It
0: looked like you had a good day. There's that saying, um, relaxed is smooth, and smooth is fast. And every time I saw you guys coming around, I expected to see you looking more labored to keep up with Rich's running. He's an extraordinary runner, and you're coming back. Mm-hmm. But both of you looked relaxed, which meant both of you looked smooth, including you. And you both looked like you were running fast. So I was like, I think he's, this is the start of Bracken being back. It looked, it looked as it should. It did not look like your experience with Cali last year sounded like it went.
1: No, and it didn't feel like that either until, I mean, it got there. My last two runs were, were a bit of a fight. My last one run, I had like a wave of nausea just sitting in my throat. Thought. at any point, if I wanted to surge a little, I think I could actually throw up right now. So the last, the last run and, and we negative split our last two runs were our two fastest or tied for our two fastest, which is very tough for me to do mm-hmm. at the end of that run coming off of the walking lunges. Plus all the other work just weighed upon me and he was obviously holding back on the run, but it felt, it felt right. It looked right. felt good to be out there. And my body was able to do enough work that it felt like I was competing the whole time.
0: Mm-hmm. You guys were representing the mod shirts and looked excellent. Do you like those? I really liked those. Those are fantastic. That looked like a performance singlet. Yeah,
1: those were those were Nike running singlets. Uh Tim Lambiris, twinning the race on Instagram. He made those for us. Yeah, you guys look good. Kept us looking good out there.
0: So let's let's talk about it, man. Um Let's talk about it. So you guys set the age group world record, I believe, for your age group. Uh, we didn't. You did not. Oh, yeah. For
1: our age group, probably yes. Uh, they they announced that we had set the overall doubles world record, but we hadn't. That was out of reach. But we set the North American fastest time. Okay. And then, yeah, in our age group, the fastest.
0: So we had the fourth fastest time, but not the first. ever. Yeah. Wow, it's got to feel pretty good. I'm just thinking like on the back end of this weekend, um it felt like a big deal for you to be back out there racing and now that we're on the the back side of it, it feels like it probably went about as well as it could have considering you didn't sign up for the race until a week out and you were a Rich Ryan's like 35th choice for a partner. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. all things considering, back in.
1: Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a great success. Great success. <laughs>
0: In my country very nice I like
1: beforehand going through in those sim workouts I did I was thinking I could probably row in the mid one forties I could probably ski in the mid to upper one forties I could probably run I could probably lunge unbroken uh with short rest in between I could probably you know pull hand over hand and I could probably keep six minute pace. If I had to do all those things. And I told Rich, if we run six minute pace, I can do almost half of the work at a decent pace. If we go 550, I can do maybe a third of the work. And if we go any faster than that, it's, like it's going to be bad. And we ended up running right around 550 the whole time. And I rode low 140s, skied. I rode like 140-ish, skied 140, 142. Um, So every metric I hoped to hit, I was a little faster than, and that almost never happens in a race. Mm -hmm. So again, Rich Rich did, I would say at least 60% of the work, if not more, because he did all 100 wall balls to finish off. So he might've done more than 60% of the work, but the work I did do was all faster than I hoped I'd be able to keep while running a pace that I didn't think I'd be able to run, so... It was really, really, really positive. It was probably best possible scenario. Lisa and I talked on the way home. And it was, for three reasons, it was the best possible scenario. One, it cemented that I have more fitness and my health is good. Mm-hmm, right. So more fitness than I thought, health is good. Two, it showed me that I can work at the rate that some of the top guys can work, but for a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I'd have to be able to ski and roll like that for the entire time to be at the pro level. So I can hit those metrics, but I can't extend them even close. So it was good positive reinforcement on the work, but it also showed how big the gap is from myself to the top guys. Looking at their splits after the race in the pro race, where they didn't have a partner to share the load, and then looking at Rich's rate of work next to me compared to what I was doing, there's a big healthy gap. Mm-hmm. There's probably a whole level and a half, if not two levels, but it was an encouraging two levels. So I was humbled, I was encouraged, and I was reinforced in my fitness all at the same time. So it was, it was really the best possible way, I
0: think, to start back into racing. Well, you dipped your toes into those waters, and now it's a way to frame your mind moving forward, which is huge. And yes, we could get into the breakdown of the races, but you're going to have to listen to our Race Brain podcast that we're going to record release tomorrow if you want that stuff so i got a few questions for you in specifics to this um and much like we did folks listening after i raced in socal a couple weeks ago we sort of recapped and then kind of took away a few lessons from it that hopefully you guys can learn from and we're going to do the same thing with bracken today um so just as a heads up is where this thing is going but um the first question is um what didn't go well or where do you need um where did you need notable improvement? still? Where where did you feel that? And then I'll ask you the reverse side, of course, what went well. But let's talk about points of improvement. Where, where are those right now? What did you learn out there on that front? I'm just
1: lacking staying power at everything.
0: I can do any one piece of this for
1: a bit. But whereas Rich could have probably worked alongside me the whole time, I could not have worked alongside him the whole time. And I say probably for him. He could have
0: worked alongside. Like as in... He could have gone and done this on his own. Are you referring to and almost done it as quickly, or what are you? What are you saying there?
1: Yeah, like like if we got to the sled push and pull and both had to do it, he wouldn't have batted an eye, and I would have been in trouble. Mm-hmm. I needed the rest breaks. Got it. And and he was able to push towards the end. So our plan, for for example, our plan was on the last run to empty the tank as best I could come into the wall balls i pick it up and start going and just go until i crack whether that's 10 reps or 20 reps we didn't care Mm -hmm. because he said i think i might even be able to do them all so just get as many as you can and then i'll just take it all the way in from there and if i start to crack well you'll have had two minutes to recover and you can do the last 10 or whatever if you need to Mm -hmm. and on the run i got to the point where i was just racing to try to hang on and after I pushed the first lap well, uh, uh, the, and the last run was the longest. We were averaging right around 330 per K, 326, 328. And the last one was 409 or 406, and we ran at the hardest. So it was a full 40 seconds longer on the last rep, which is really <laughs> like the wrong time for me because I was running out of gas. So my first lap was good. Second lap was fighting, and on the third lap, I was just trashed and i I went from thinking okay i'm going to be able to get 20 reps on this to, i might only be able to get 10 reps when we get in there To, i might throw up as i bend over to pick up the ball (laughs) and rich just ran past me and led us the last lap and a half and picked the ball up because i wasn't there yep so uh we were in a much different place i was to the place where i was dreading picking the ball up and he picked it up and did 100 fast reps unbroken looked amazing so I needed the brakes, and I was running out. So my staying power, chaining it all together was certainly lacking, which it should be. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I I couldn't have done the whole race at the cadence I worked at, and he could have done the whole race at the cadence I worked at and still done faster runs.
0: That makes sense, and I would expect that. Where do you think, um, in a full high rocks, men's pro weights— where do you think you'd be at right now? Now, knowing what you felt, would you still be bleeding minutes out from any sort of potential yeah. compared to before?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Hyrox is kind of like a marathon where if you're not specifically prepped for it, you can't do anything in it. Like you might be a full 30 minute different with a 12 week training block, just because the first half of it running at your potential race pace will destroy your second half so badly that you don't even see what you can do. Yep. Whereas if you prep for it, the first half feels relaxed. So yeah, I, I mean, I would, I would have gotten smashed. I wouldn't have taken last in that pro field because there was one person who really fell apart, yeah. but I would have taken second last. uh-huh And I would have done that by planning to take second last.
0: (laughs) I would have gone out slow. Paced yourself. Nipped him at the line. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) What a race, by the way. You guys got to go watch that on YouTube. Both the men's and women's races. Oh my goodness. The individual profiles. We're so good. Jess and I were running errands at Menards. We're going to redo our bathroom. It's the last thing in my house that needs to be redone. And we got, we rushed back in, in the parking lot and I watched an hour and a half of YouTube in the Menards parking lot. I'm like, sorry, honey, we got to stay right here. And I got to watch it parked in the Menards parking <laughs> lot, that. put on the dash. And I was, she doesn't really get it. And so I'm screaming at the TV or at the phone. And, uh, I had a good old time watching that. I was like, I can't move. Like I'm captive. 90 minutes this. in Menards parking lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's so good. I love that. And then the sun started getting in my eyes So I I didn't want to travel too far, so I just shifted parking positions so the sun wasn't in my eyes. And then I continued to watch till it was over again. Um, And I got up at like 4 in the morning so I could get my 18-mile long run in so I could watch you live. So I got a lot of of high rocks action in. But um, enough of that. Go watch those races if you haven't. Even if you're not into the hybrid scene because a lot of you listening are peer runners or OCR athletes go on YouTube, go on OCR report and watch the men's pro and women's pro high rocks races. They're actually, I I was really into it and you know, I go back and forth about being captivated by these races and they had me, they were good Mm -hmm. anyways. Okay. So that was the thing that needed improvement. Stay power. You noticed that not a shock. Obviously I would assume your resistance to impact just like an hour's worth of that on hard terrain, which you haven't been doing. Is there any other things that you're like, yep, I need to go back to the lab and work on and then talk about what you, what went well.
1: A Work rate. Uh, I was working at above the intensity that I've trained at, and I was pleasantly surprised that my body held together for about 35 minutes at that intensity, where it felt sustainable. But then it very quickly showed itself when I rewatched the race that I wasn't working at the intensity I thought I was. On the sled pull, for example. Now, Lisa got good video of the race. She filmed every station, and hmm. so I, I watched it in the hotel room. And on the sled pull, on the second pull, I made a conscious decision to slow down like a half beat. I just wanted to take one little half notch back so that I could work the next. Because you, you pull down, back, down, back. And so I the last two, the last down and the last back, I wanted to be able to crank. So I slowed down a half notch to save my arms a little bit. And that is not what it looked like. On film, I would look like I was just moving slowly, like slower than the form that I would think I'd be using in a full high rocks. But to me, it felt fast. The rate of work I've been using is rehab rate of work Mm. with some threshold rowing and skiing. And that showed through on my work rate. When you look at Rich next to me, now he's naturally a compact, fast turnover athlete in everything he does. But he looked like he was moving twice the speed of me on lunges, on the sled pull. He looked aggressive, and I looked like I was pacing myself. And in my mind, in my body, it felt like I was being aggressive. Mm. My cadence on everything was slow. And so next stage of training, obviously, something with faster movements has to be in there because I thought I was moving fast. And I yep. the, the the video didn't lie.
0: Yeah, watching video of races almost always an OCR in OCR and hybrid racing is never the spectacle you believe it feels at the moment when you're doing it. Um, yeah. I think I've noticed that. Okay, um, let's flip the coin. Then but the impact. You were right. Yeah, resistance the, to impact.
1: The, the the impact on the quads. Yeah, I I mean I feel someone asked yesterday how I feel after like what, what happened to my body and I said everything other than my quads feels like I did a decent workout yesterday and my quads feel like I just ran Killington. <laughs> like just went up and down ski slopes for two hours. I believe it I've I've only felt this level of quad soreness from mountain races. Wow. And we ran zero feet of elevation gain. <laughs>
0: zero <laughs> inches of elevation gain. Burpee broad jumps though will do that to you as well. That in combo with the whole impact, like already being fatigued yeah. and all that. You guys were moving on those by the way. It was impressive. Um Okay, so for takeaways for the listeners, then on those components, what what would be a um what would be a next step in the training to address those things like rate of work, high end stay power? Is it simply follow the process and you need more time, or is there any other um, moving forward plans in that regard? If somebody's feeling the same way you're feeling,
1: yeah, I mean the extending the process is what I need to keep doing. Mm-hmm. And part of what worked well for me is what also led to my stay in power not being there. I was very happy with how my kind of my anaerobic fitness worked despite not getting a ton of volume in that, but I've been chaining everything together. I do my anaerobic run uphill on the treadmill until it's not smart for me to continue, but then I've been continuing on the rower or the assault bike right after. So cardiovascularly, I was still building my thirty, forty, fifty, sixty minutes of intensity in, semi intensity, but it wasn't all sports specific, or if it was, it wasn't all running. It was split up. So it transferred very well, I thought, for me, for how I thought I would, but at the same time, the one specific modality, staying power, wasn't there because it's used to being disjointed. Like, well, when your legs blow out, now you just get on the, on the assault bike and do more arms than you do legs. Well, there's not an option for that mm-hmm. when you have to run eight times, you don't get to do your last three runs on the assault bike. So extending the process to staying longer on each piece of my training will be there, but uh, my finishers will change. I've been lifting in a vacuum, running in a vacuum, and anything compromised has been on the machines, but it's been working hard on the machines and then just going through the motions on the reps of whatever strength I'm doing. If it's, I didn't do wall balls, but if it's thrusters or deadlift or sled push or pull, I'm just cautiously doing it under load. Mm -hmm. Now that intensity has to go up a few ticks because that's what was missing.
0: Yeah, and you couldn't expect your body to be anywhere else right now with your process. In fact, like the fact your body gave you what it gave you this weekend is really like, you know, yeah. beyond expectation. So let's talk about what went well then. What uh, what areas are you very happy with as far as execution and your body felt? Well,
1: execution first. Rich and I executed very well. I think we we got about I would say 98% of what we could have done out of that race. He might have been able to do a little more. Looking at how he finished a hundred wall balls, uh, but it's hard for him to find a spot to do more without pushing me over the edge. Mm-hmm. I think we did. I think we split it correctly. I think we did everything right. I was very happy with my running, even though it was my weakest area. You look good. You look smooth. Like I was watching you, and I was like, "Dude, looks good." My form stayed together-ish. I'm never the prettiest runner, but it stayed together. It didn't break down too terribly. I was able to run... I mean, three of our fastest eight-run splits came in the second half of the race. That's That wasn't available to me last year. Mm-hmm. I was very happy with it. And my compromise running was good. Uh, on the sled pole and on... What else? Sled pole, I ran first out. I finished the sled pole and ran out of it. And so that was as compromised as I've been in 13 months. And ran just just fine out of that Mm -hmm. and then i started a few of the stations i started the sled push i started the row and uh, i started farmer's carry and the, the compromise portion of that worked it wasn't impressive to an outsider but it was far and away better than what i expected to be able to do on that on that day so i don't know if that's muscle memory or if that's the type of workouts I'm doing where I run my three-minute uphill intervals until I can't, and then I jump to the rower or the bike. That It's it's a version of compromise. Mm-hmm. But I think the uphill running, and Lisa was the first one to say this. She said, I think you're just going to be way stronger in running than you thought because you're doing everything uphill.
0: Yeah, and it showed, right, when you were out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't want to overblow it. Mm-hmm. This was Rich's performance, but... <laughs> I held us back
0: significantly less than I thought I might have. Awesome. And you guys pushed through the second half. You guys had a team on your butts kinda of early on and then they were gone. Yeah. So obviously you did manage your effort well. A question for you. Um you were saying that you ran as fast or maybe a little faster than you thought you could um
1: mm-hmm.
0: when you were out there. And something I'm noticing and this is with my athletes this is with just people i follow on social media this is through hearsay is people will hit high rock sims they'll hit decafit sims and they'll go out and be like i simmed in 55 minutes in the men's open pro weight and then they go out and they run 106 and they're like they're like 10 11 minutes behind right everybody sims everybody sims faster than they're actually performing once race day comes and people really beat themselves up on that and they have these high expectations about like I I'm ready to break through and then they go out there and they don't and they're kicking themselves right you see it all the time in this space I want you and I, I know why and I know you know why but I want you to explain why that happens and then I also want you to sort of address like I don't know I feel like you you may have been one of the exceptions I know you didn't fully sim but your body did give you at least what you thought it would or more on race day. And I think that's actually a rarity in this sport.
1: Yeah, it is. Um,
0: so why don't you talk about that real quick, about not simming as fast as you actually end up racing,
1: typically. Yeah, the the sims, it's just experience. You're, we're, we just set the sims up the best we can based on what we have in front of us. And then we ex- we, we read too far into our metric. I did it three times, which is why... I didn't this time. <laughs> Three mm-hmm. times I've simmed things and prepped for it, and then raced slower. And actually, the the last open I did, I simmed at sixty nine, and I raced at sixty nine. So even though the breakdown was much different, like my rock zone was like forty eight seconds in my sim, right. I way overdid it on the sleds, underdid it. It actually balanced out, and I kind of figured it out there. So on this one, I took it another step farther. It's until you've done, until you've blown up in a hyrox, you can't really grasp how demanding it is. And so you end up when you have two choices in training, you choose the more exciting one. Like I could do the, I could do a 95 pound walking lunge. Or I could just do this the race weight at sixty or sixty five and really crank through the reps. And you choose that one. So, and you, I mean the reason I did it in my mind and I did fifty the first time was I don't have a sixty. I have an eighty or a fifty. So I'll choose the fifty so I can work hard and get really anaerobic, and work on my cadence. And it makes sense and it gives you a better time. And you're like, I'm not going to be that much slower with a sixty than with a fifty. When in reality, the race beats you up so bad that you need to train with the eighty. Right. So that the sixty. It just even feels like an 80 or maybe even a little better. And that's what I did this time. I over-weighted everything by so much that, you know, I ran it at, I tried to run at six minute pace, but I had it at a 3% incline, you know, so I I did everything I could to make sure that it would be as close to the demands of the race or worse as possible because I didn't have any, I used to have the ego about my sim time needs to get better each time. Now it's like, I'm going to try to get my sim time slower. With more effort, and then maybe race day will pleasantly surprise me. So I think just the fifth time now running race sims, I finally realized how to sim a high rocks in a way that accurately can tell you what you can do.
0: Yeah, that's I agree with that, and and obviously it's the rock zone can be so subjective that. If you're, you know, a lot of sims are done on and off the treadmill with the equipment right behind the treadmill. And they have, like you said, less than a minute of rock zone and transition. Plus it's treadmill running, which a lot of people sim on, which is different than running on concrete with the impact. And it all adds up. I just was curious if you had any other thoughts there, but that that's what I would have had assumed. Even little things like the damper settings on the rower and the
1: skier. I do my intervals now at the damper setting I want to use in the race. But my sims, I put up a, a setting and a half because I don't want to get to the rower and feel the damper I'm going to feel in the race. I want to get to the rower and feel as tired as I'm going to feel in the race. And so if I want to row at a seven, I'm going to, or a six and a half, I'm going to put it at an eight or eight and a half in, in my sim because that's how my arms are going to feel getting there. And that was another big difference. The rower always felt difficult to me on race day it just felt like there's more resistance than my flywheel at home I think it was just I was more trashed but to make up for that I, I trained at a higher resistance on my sims and I did I put in some some row work I, I overhauled my form I worked on technique I have three mirrors by my rower I, I watch my form on every single rep and I'm sure a row expert would still pick my form apart but I, the video of this one versus my other ones looks much different in how I'm rowing Hmm. Well, that kind
0: of leads to what, um, well, first of all, I guess any other takeaways before we transition into, um, kind of the lead up and what, what we took away about kind of building from the ground up that you've done up to this point, but, um, any other takeaways, any other things in note, how was the vibe? How was the environment? How are the people, all that?
1: It's the best environment of any race I've ever been at. And this wasn't even one of their biggest environments. But it's just, there isn't an... It's indoor. They have a light system going. They have a sound system. They have just an an atmosphere there that's pretty unmatched. And doing doubles is absolutely the way to get into it. The individual race is so difficult. It is so impressive what everyone does there. But doubles is the way to enjoy it. Singles is the way to... Really go to a place you've never been in your life, but doubles, there's some enjoyment factor to it. So if anyone's on the fence about it, just jump in with a doubles. Doesn't matter if it's same gender, mixed gender, that's the way to do it. Okay. It looked like fun. It actually looked like fun. Yeah. And it allows someone like Rich, who four months ago won a world championship, to compete with someone like me who four months ago stopped running. <laughs> It, it it allows you to get what you need out of the event. Mm-hmm. He got a great workout. I got a great workout. I'm sure on the run, he would have liked to go faster, but then he took it out on the next. I mean, he started rowing at 137, 138, and didn't wow. get slower than 140 or 141 ever. You know, he, you, you find your way to get what you want out of the, the workout. So I think doubles is a great experience for people to try.
0: I like it. Speaking of doubles... I'm not going to name names, um, cause that'd be silly, I guess in this instance, but, um, I know a couple of people that were frustrated with their partner's performance, they got done and they <laughs> felt like they were held back, that their partner wasn't yeah. pulling the weight that they were pulling and, and they felt we could go minutes faster if I had the, the right partner. Um, yeah. what do you feel like is important in finding the right high rocks partner? How do you, how do you match those well together? Or is there always going to be somebody that is lagging on something? What do you think there? Because I got a couple people in mind while I'm asking this question.
1: I think for the average person going out there trying to find a doubles partner, the biggest thing you can find is someone who's consistent in their training. Because a few of these people, maybe we know the same people, maybe you just hear the stories down there on the competition Mm -hmm. floor during and after. Is There were a lot of people who showed up having taken their training block differently. I talked to uh, two guys afterwards, and one was like, Yeah, it was great. I mean, I felt great the whole time. I put in 12 weeks for this, and the other one's like, Yeah, I started running two weeks ago. I realized I hadn't, you know, they just they signed up for it at the same time, and one of them went all in, and the other one dabbled. Right. Their commitment levels weren't the same. Yeah. Having someone that you know, yeah, well, at least put the work in. Because there's a difference between like Rich and I, I could not match his work rate, but I could work when it was time to work. And there's a difference between that and saying, listen, I can't even push this sled anymore. You've got to do it for me. Or when I am pushing, I'm moving five times slower. So there was a a discrepancy between Rich and I for sure, but I was at least fit enough to do the things I was expected to do. Those partners where you have someone totally mismatched, it's, it's not a... It's not a ton of fun unless you go in knowing that. Rich knew exactly where my fitness mm-hmm. was. I sent him a whole long novel of a text detailing, yep. listen, before you say we're definitely doing this, here are my fitness levels. Like, now make your decision. So if you know how low their fitness is, then your plan's based around it. But when you have a plan based around what you expect them to be able to do and then on race day you find out they lied about their training, that's that would be frustrating.
0: Yeah, from the outside looking in um... – and I think I'd, I'm. this is a good guess here, is that uh, having two people who aren't on different planets on the running front is probably the first key factor. Um, y- as long as you're not either being dragged around so bad that you're worthless on the stations or vice versa, you're holding back so much that you're just in a constant state of frustration so your partner can keep up, I think... Number one, like make sure we can run somewhat together where we both feel like we're working. And if one person is exponentially better or worse on stations, I think that that's probably the best way to cheat the system is just make sure you running is generally mm. close together. Cause if you have a discrepancy, even of like 30 seconds a mile that can create some tension, I would say. So I would say step one, find a partner whose run ability is close to yours when you're compromised. I think that would be like the first indicator. Not like, oh, you're a yes. strong runner, but you're strong at the strength, and somehow we're going to mash it together. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. You both need to be able to run step one. It actually is oil and water. Correct. It's actually worse that way.
1: They, exactly.
0: Talk about that. The
1: The most common thing you see out there that's going wrong is the uh, guy-girl tandem, who clearly she's a runner, and he's a lifter or a crossfitter. Mm-hmm. And they're like, he's going to rock the stations, and I'm fast. And then they get off the first station, and you're like, oh, shoot. He rocked the station, and he was slower than me before he did that. Now he can't even breathe, mm-hmm. and my running is wasted. And they spend the whole time, the woman's looking back over her shoulder at the guy, like, come on, honey, keep up, and his head's down, and he's just smashed. Uh. So, yeah, you can have a discrepancy, but you have to be in range of each other running-wise. Like, Rich and I talked beforehand. I said, what do you think you're in shape right now, 5K? He said, I don't know. I've gotten a little slower, 15, 20, 15, I said, okay, I think I'm 17, 20, 17 minutes maybe. So we have at least a 90-second difference. We have a 30-second difference per mile running. But compromised running, I can still kind of hold nearer yep. to that. So we were close. I mean, he's two levels above me, but it's close enough that where I didn't have to walk or jog in between. So you're right. You've got to balance out your running.
0: That's what it seemed like from afar, from the stories I I was hearing. Is that that's got to be factor number one? If you can't hold your up end up on the running, or you know you're that much better than your partner than maybe either really figure out the game plan so the best runner goes into each run really cooked too hot, so he's you know or she's smashed. So it's they have to bookend the work. Yeah, correct. You have to bookend the work. That's kind of how it's going to have to go. Um, Okay. Um, Anything else? Anything else? It. You want to bring up about the weekend?
1: No, I don't think so. I think race brain will probably get deeper into the yeah. weekend and the pro races and all that, but it was a it was an impressive weekend to watch. I do want to give a couple athletes a shout out. Jared Price did his first one. He was hoping to run to break 130, and he went 122. Sweet. So he had a fantastic first event. Uh Chris Thompson, he PR'd his, and Mike Day PR'd his. And I'm gonna feel really bad if I'm missing a fourth person. Probably are <laughs> right there. <laughs> because those three got a shout out. But if I had a fourth athlete in there, I am sorry. And I'll try to figure it out and edit it and sneak it back in here. <laughs> but they, they they all they all put down they put it down out there and they <laughs> You can't you can't coast to high rocks. So watching mm-hmm. them on stations five, six, seven, eight and run six, seven, eight and wall balls, everyone's out there selling out. Yep. Oh, and then also Chad Coleman chad coleman was there
0: mm-hmm.
1: he had a pretty awesome race and looked good throughout it he dug deep on the wall balls there were a bunch of people out there that we that we get to work with who are out there doing it you can't be giving my athlete a shout out bracken that's not how this works it was cool because he jared mike and chris were all within one wave of each other within 10 minutes of each other's start time mm-hmm. or in the same wave so all four
0: of them were out on course at the exact same time oh huh? sweet you can cheer them all on yeah, I think Chad was a little. He ran one ten, I believe, and yeah. he had simmed a little faster. We'll have a chat about that later this week. But they went back, Chad, and then a, a team won the mixed uh, mixed team relay uh, later in the day. So he got his he got his podium. I can imagine and, that. Yeah, uh, athlete Matt Lassanol and his partner ran something like fifty. What did they end up running? They were like fourth or fifth in their age group for for team. I think they ran sixty two, sixty something like that. Um, there's some good performances. It was fun to watch. And yes, I got some athletes giving me grief mm-hmm. now because I think they're doing pretty well in this hybrid space and I haven't yet stepped in and I'm like, well, listen, I'll go show. I'm going to go mop the floor and then you guys can all be quiet. I'll show you. I'm getting the itch now. So maybe we'll have to mop the floor together, Bracken.
1: I can't even count how many people requested that you come do the next one or that we do it a partner race together. That's all I'm hearing
0: about. And from my athletes too, rightfully so. Um... My boy Dustin Needham partnered up with uh Rylan Shade got DECA, and they, oh, yeah. they won the team race and I think the second fastest time uh put down which is kind of pretty cool but that was a different event uh, in itself but um okay so we wanted to talk and maybe we'll make this you know a 20 30 minute conversation but um how how do we want to dissect it like your lead into this like you have had a rocky road and Mm -hmm. focusing on your foundation or focusing on sort of the, not the little things, because these certainly aren't little things, but all the ancillary pieces is what sort of has allowed you to come back and put out a good rate of work. And we were going to explore that a little bit today. Um, Where do you want to start that conversation? Like where's your mind at with, with this all? I think the one overriding piece that was really
1: cemented to me is that uh, I, I was lucky enough to meet you. And then follow what we preached, which is you can rehab and cross-train your way to fitness. And the one piece we talked about, which is always brought up on Q&As or in uh, comeback episodes, which is you start with the amount of work you would like to be able to complete, and you fill it in in whatever type of work is accessible to you. Mm Mm-hmm. So if eventually you want to be doing 60 minute tempo runs, or you want to be able to do 30 to 40 minutes of threshold intervals, you start with that amount of work and you run as much as you can in there safely. And then we've always talked about you fill in the rest using other modalities. And if I want to be able to go an hour a day of cardio, right now I can't run an hour a day well I'm running 40 minutes, three days a week. And all the other time is filled in doing something else. That one piece right there is basically what my last 15 weeks have looked like. And I looked at it like rehab, but my body didn't care what the title of my training log was. It was improving. And I was very, probably for the first time in my, maybe second time in my life, I was pleasantly shocked by the level of fitness I took out of a training block in a good way. Sometimes you get to the end of a block and you have not progressed the way you want. This is only the second time ever where I progressed way more than I thought I was going to do because it didn't feel like I was doing any significant amount of running work. But it was the other pieces. Filling in that bucket in other ways and then starting to bring the running up with it was kind of like the entire theme of this 15-week section. And it worked. And we've preached it. This was my first time to enact it correctly. And so... Sample size of one doing what we said to do worked for me, and it was really, really encouraging.
0: Yeah, I've been through that process a handful of times since we've known each other. And typically, when somebody's coming back from something an injury, a surgery, a sickness, whatever it is a lot of times uh, they're not nearly at the training volume that they were beforehand um, because their running won't allow it, they're injured. They can't run as much as they want and then Mm -hmm. thus their fitness decreases because they're not spending as much time aerobically, we will call it, or just training in general. And so not letting that be a part of your, a piece of your puzzle saying, okay, like I'm a nine hours a week athlete and I'm going to devote nine hours. Even if six of those hours are to the piddly stuff and rehab and little micro movements and things that don't seem as fruitful in the moment, it seems like you focused a lot on some of that stuff. And It's just like truer words couldn't be spoken. Yes, when you return to running, like purposeful race type running, you're going to feel clunky. Your uh, efficiency isn't going to be there. But I'm hoping this is what you're going to get at is like it comes back like that it feels like. Like you go from your first real quality run session back maybe feeling somewhat clunky to two weeks later going out and running with authority because Mm -hmm. the fitness pieces were all there. It was just the run specific component that was a little behind. And I just see that exponential increase once you return to running how you would like, as far as those metrics going right back to where they should have. And I'm curious how, how much of that you've experienced.
1: All of it. I went back and we talked about here, looking at all the holes I've had in my rehabs and my rebuilds and my training plans and realizing that I'm just consistently missing certain pieces and I'm consistently skipping steps. And we have been open that I'm being painfully slow with progressing progressing through this mm-hmm. this rehab. It was six to eight weeks protocol of no running. I took nine. It was three to four weeks to return back to previous form. I'm on week seven and I'm running three times per week, one of them flat. Well, I've had four flat runs in four month, three months. Like I'm, I'm really, really baby in the process. And the reason I never did that before was because of how much it would cost me fitness-wise. And yet I'm sitting here at the end of the process with more fitness than I have any right to have. Mm-hmm. And I'm not in world-class shape by any means. But for what I want to be able to do, I'm in great shape right now and And so, doing the piddly things, I did German volume strength training to make up for a lack of running volume, ten reps, ten sets that is one hundred reps per session, squat, deadlift, bench, overhead press, lap pull downs, bent over rows, Bulgarian split squats, all those things are rounding out every little supporting piece of my structure. Then I moved into. All of this running, every day I was running uphill or hiking uphill. And at the beginning, it was 22.5%. That's what we said, what, 7, 9, no, 10 weeks ago? Mm-hmm. 22.5% is the incline I can run at right now. I can only go 2.5 miles per hour, and that's what I'm doing. That doesn't feel like run training. But getting 20 minutes of that in and then going and doing a 5K tempo on the row afterwards, suddenly you have your 70 minutes of cardio for the day. And 40 minutes was at heart rate above aerobic threshold. So none of that felt like training towards racing this year. But doing the things I, never, I would never would have done a 5K tempo row in my life. Right. But it's now showing why it was necessary. And we can get into the specifics of actual workouts I've done or actual strategies if we want. But the general view is that I, sc- I stopped skipping the little things. I added core back in. I added mobility back in. I started filling my minutes in every day in however those minutes were available to me rather than doing the typical thing, which would have been, all right, I'm running three-minute run intervals at 10%. I got four in. My legs are starting to ache. I'm done for the day. It was good work. Tomorrow, we'll do something else. That's 20 minutes of work. What happens then? Well, I'm doing the extra 40 now. Even though they don't feel like work, I'm
0: doing the extra 40 each day. Well, yeah, and I was going to ask you, and I think we should talk specifics uh, here. Um, when I've come back from injury, and this is the longest bout of mostly injury-free running I've had in a few years. Going to knock on wood there. When I have been in your phase or coming back from injury or not able to run at all, right, when you're starting to come back, truth be told, it, doesn't, it didn't even matter to me how I got the time in. Meaning, if I want to go do 30-30 intervals on the Assault Bike for 70 minutes and just, just sit in it, great. But if I also want to do 15 cal intervals with strength in between each, you know, maybe 15 cal strength, 15 cal strength. Or I want to hop on the rower. Or I just simply want to get on an incline hike. Any of that stuff, like you don't really need to split hairs as long as you're getting purposeful time on time in that's working your different let's call it heart rate zones or effort levels and if you can do any decisions from there it's seeding the skill work that's going to come in your races coming up for you it was some of the skill work of the high rocks uh and ocr movements which you were seeding in there but really it is almost the time where you don't have to overthink it you have to underthink it in the sense where it's like work is work if i work really hard one day guess what Go do a recovery effort, something else the next day or two, and then work really hard doing something else. Whatever keeps your, you um, engaged. For me, that's what it was. I went five months of cross-training out with two foot stress fractures. And it was more like throwing a dart at the wall and saying, all right, what? Like, where does it land today? Who cares? The point is to work hard,
1: mm-hmm. get
0: in 40 minutes of quality, and if that means breaking it up with strength movements or compromise or just grinding on the bike outside, it didn't matter. It was the point of working systems, and that's what I feel like you were able, you've able, you been able to do, and that's been my philosophy. Work your system, work it however you can that keeps you engaged to keep you showing up the next day, keeping purposeful training, and then seeding in skill work. Um, and I know that's what you did. I just thought I'd outline it a little bit. I'm, I'm assuming there was a lot of that going on with you for anybody else out here who needs to hear it. That's injured. It. Yeah. Or can't run as much as they want. Like that's the basic formula. And we did a whole bracket and we did a whole cross training through injury episode a ways back on a training Tuesday, which we dive into it. But I would yeah. say that'd be the overarching theme. And I know you can elaborate on that now, but I'm just wanted to set the stage there.
1: Well, I, I dove into it this time and, and I did this one based off of what I know about myself. I like scripting workouts. I like scripted progressions, but when I can't follow it, it really dings me. It chips at me mentally when I can't follow it. So how do you script a multi-part workout when you want to work a little bit underneath your threshold and you want to get 30 to 40 minutes in? How do you even script that? Maybe you can't. What, What do I say? I'm going to hit 10 rounds of one minute on, one minute on, off on the treadmill and then the assault bike and then the rower. Yeah, I could do that, but what if I get to round seven and I can't complete it? Well, I turn the treadmill off, Mm. I say something out loud, and I storm out of the room because I just failed at my workout. And that's what I historically do. And this time it was the same thing, except now, all right, change your shoes and now choose a new piece of equipment and let's keep picking up. We're on minute seven and go. 100%. There were several... Times even in, still in the last few weeks, where Lisa would come down in the basement because she heard the treadmill turn off, and I'd be sitting down on the ground, unlacing my shoes, and uh with a towel over my head for my sweat. She'd be like, "Oh, are you done?" I said, "No, I'm uh, I'm I'm a third of the way done." She go, "Oh, okay," because in the past that would have been done. Yep. I hit however many intervals I could, and then something started aching, and I'd stop and I'd pout. <laughs> and now I'd stop, pout, and then say, "Okay." Uh, It's my quad that's aching. Let's go to the assault bike and use my arms for a while. And then as my legs come back, I'm kind of sick of the assault bike. And instead of storming off, now let's go to the row and let's do a 2K. Let's do a 2K at 85% effort to finish this thing off. That'll get us to 38 minutes of work. Mm -hmm. So it it was stopping scheduling precise workouts and scheduling in precise volume of work. Exactly. It doesn't, I don't naturally like that. I'm comforted by, by really black and white workouts, but I had to get into gray area workouts, which is, this is kind of going to be this amorphous blob of a workout, but it's going to add up to what I need it to add up to. So that when I get to run outside, I have two to three weeks of adding in the skill of running and my engine picks right back up from there rather than now you build the skill of running and you only have 10 minutes of engine work in your system. Now you've got to build those next 20 to 30 minutes. It was only pairing the skill and that was key to me. And eventually I started to like it. I started to realize I'm not quitting workouts anymore. I'm just pivoting in the workout. And so many times I'd finish on the rower and I'd have a great last half of my row. I'd start on it pissed off or depressed or just like done Mm -hmm. done with this this is stupid but let's let's do my my drill work on the rower and by the time the drill work was done it almost felt like i hadn't done any running and then i'd crank on the rower for a little bit and so many times i stepped off that rower thinking i just pr'd a 2k or i just pr'd my last five i've never done a last 500 split in the midst of a tempo like that and none of those wins would have happened had i just stepped off the treadmill and gone and taken my shower so it was the first block of just going in on, finish it. However, who cares? Just finish the time. And it didn't ever feel like training.
0: Mm-hmm. It
1: really didn't. It felt like rehab. But my fitness didn't
0: care. Work systems. Yeah, just systems. And that's yeah. metabolic systems. Yep. I could not I could not agree more.
1: I did a lot of what you
0: do. What's that?
1: Making workouts up on the spot or halfway through a workout, and it felt so wrong, Kirk. <laughs> it felt so wrong to me <laughs> to just wing it. But then I looked back and there weren't empty spaces in the calendar.
0: Mm-hmm. So I remember, like, um, be like, God, gosh dang, like another long run simulation. Like I'm supposed to go for 90 minutes today, cross training two hours. Like, what am I gonna do? Like, get on the bike again? oh like Mm that sounds like the worst and then i'd come up with these dumb things like you know what sounds like a good idea 100 burpees and then a mile run and then 90 burpees and a 0.9 mile run and eight and doing these things that on paper be like why on earth are you gonna do that how is that ever gonna translate to what you're about to do or it'd be like sorry like 100 burpees um, 100 cows, a salt bike. I did that one. 90 burpees, 90 cow. Try that one. That sucked. But it got me 80 minutes of work and it checked the metabolic boxes I needed for the day and gave me yes. something to hang on to. And I did all sorts of that stuff. And just what you're saying reminds me of that because ultimately when you want to be running and you can't, nothing, nothing is as satisfying or as fulfilling or feels as purposeful, but you're wrong. In the sense that once you're able to return to running, um, you'd be shocked at how it can pop. And I know, I know your metrics aren't where they want to be. And it's not like you're going out there breaking world records with your running, but it's serviceable. And it's serviceable very quickly. Brecken, how many times did you run outside on flat terrain before High Rock's North American champs this last weekend? Three. Three. Exactly. And you're running held up. Three in four months. Precisely. So what do you credit that to?
1: I mean, don't get me wrong. I can barely walk down a set of (laughs) stairs today, but it got me through the workout. It got me through the competition.
0: So let's talk a few of your, I don't know, like the tangibles uh, or specifics with some of the the work. Is there anything that you felt translated better than others as far as whatever it was? Maybe maybe just your strength, your German volume training. You're like, holy smokes, I felt bulletproof, for example. Or was there any style that jumps out on paper to you?
1: The machine finishers. And sometimes I did have weekdays, or I just was sick of it, and I would just stop the workout. But then, right before dinner or right after dinner, I'd go downstairs and I'd go 60-60 times 20 on skier, or on the rower, or on the assault bike. I mean, you're done in, in 20 minutes. I even use the first, f- or, I mean, 30-30 times 20, or 60-60 times 10. Just 20-minute finishers, either right after the workout or in the p.m., and those really, really did something for me. I, I It's hard to identify exactly what, but tacking on the finishers, and whenever possible, I did them right after, but finishing off a run or off of a, a power hike at a high heart rate and going onto the machine and working hard just took no impact damage, but it kept my system rolling and felt like I was almost resetting. I didn't come in with 20 minutes of damage on my system. I came in with like 7 to 10, it felt like. So I was able to get more work in. And that that's something I'm going to keep moving forward are these finishers, where I think my workout's done, and then I do a second workout that's not very long, and I still feel just as good or bad as I would have without it. Except
0: now I got work in, so I feel good. So that finisher was really, really good. From the few times I've trained with Hunter McIntyre, it's like you might go out for a 70-minute trail run in the morning or a 90-minute trail run in the mountains, and then that 4 p.m. session comes around, and he's doing 500-meter repeats on the rower at Hate Your Life Intensity by 10 reps. That's it. And just finish it. You're in and out in 20 to 30 minutes. And he does that, like, daily. Mm-hmm. And there's something that guy's doing right, obviously, with, with his performances over the past. So probably something to that. Couldn't agree more. Were you more, were you more often than not doing that as second sessions or piggybacking immediately after your main cardio session? They were all programmed initially as second sessions,
1: but I wasn't always getting to them. So then I started going into those amorphous workouts where whenever you're done, just switch over and do that PM session now and cut the PM session short. And then eventually I just didn't script it. And was just like, we're just going to roll with it. Sometimes I'd get to the rower and not even knowing what I was going to do. I'd start warming up intending to do six by thousand, and sometimes in the middle of the second rep, I'm like, I'm kind of rolling. This is turning into a two k tempo right now, or three k mm. tempo. Keep going. So, yeah, it, it, I I used what I had in that moment. More often than not, it was a finisher, but it was a PM session when it needed to be. But yeah, so the the, the machine finishers were really really big. And then I also started doing some of that float recovery uphill.
0: Mm. That
1: was big. And I I just embraced taking whatever workout sounded exciting. I, I was thinking, I had to just reframe and think, it's not about a constant progression right now, even though I'm only wired to think that. It's about getting whatever I can get done, done. And sometimes intervals are depressing when you can't hit your pace anymore. So... I, did, I think I said I did nine uphill sessions at lactate threshold. Anywhere between 10% incline and 22 and a half. And probably only two or, th- uh, two or three were repeat sessions. I did one, two, three tempo twice. I did three minute intervals three times. I did 90 second intervals twice. And I'm not recalling. I think I did three by 10 minutes once and three by 15 once. So all different sessions, but they were all accomplishing the same goal, which is work right around threshold, take short recovery. Sometimes it was standing recovery. Sometimes it was drop it down to 10% incline and jog at five miles per hour recovery. It was disguised work. I didn't realize how many I got in. I would have told you four or five and there were nine because Mm. they weren't, they were disjointed in terms of there was no progression. So they didn't feel like I'd done as much as I actually did. But again, my body didn't care that my mind didn't understand how much work I was getting done.
0: I mean, that's, I mean, I have a general layout of my training moving forward. Like I know what I'm going to do this week, next week, the following weeks. I'm more like a two to three week out, sort of put the puzzle pieces together based on intuition. But all I know is when I hit a workout, instead of having something scripted, that's 13 weeks away. Now I'm like what I'm hitting. I'm excited to hit my start button and my lap buttons on my watch because I'm not forcing myself into a plan. I've scripted way out. I'm allowing my, my body and my mind to tell me like what would i hit with the most vigor today like what what's gonna what's gonna get the most out of me today like almost like emotionally or mentally and whatever excites me to chase like i'm gonna mm-hmm. do ocr mile repeats tomorrow i haven't done those in two years but all i know is i'm excited to compare where i where i was am now to where i where i yeah. was then and, and there's no real reason for it other than the fact that i know i'm gonna put i'm gonna put some umph into it and that's what really matters um it's it's an interesting thing because because you want to be able to script out and periodize. And, and of course, I'm doing that because I can I can do it on a week-to-week basis right now because I understand the flow of my season and training. But um, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I've built really good fitness in that, in that model that you just described. Whatever excites you that day, you're going to approach with vigor, and that's important.
1: Yeah. It has me thinking a little bit more about what I want to do because I'm not in the try-to-be-a-world-beater mode right now. Mm-hmm. I, I I have promised myself and my family that I will not get obsessive about training again. We did that. <laughs> it was great in pursuit of the sport. It was not great for our marriage. It was not great for me. It was just good for my performance. Sure. That's it. Mm. So I'm not gonna. Go, I can't go back to that. And maybe this is a form of that. Every Tuesday, I'm hitting threshold intervals with the goal to hit 30 minutes early on, 38 minutes halfway through and maybe 42 minutes by the end but i have maybe freedom to choose how those threshold intervals work rather than scripting out 16 weeks of progressive workouts if the volume progresses and my heart rate metrics are progressing then do i need to script like a psychopath if i'm not planning on training like a psychopath and if i'm more relaxed and holistic about my training Am I actually maybe going to get a little bit more out of it because the negative days affect me less? So I don't want to leave my periodization, and I won't. But I also maybe think that my rules were confining me a little bit as well. Mm. So I don't want to make drastic changes, but I do want to lean into having a bit more flexibility in how I train. I used to say no to a lot of workouts that looks like a really good workout or this would really benefit my mental state or this would be a cool one to try. But I'm in week five of a seven week progression of interval sessions and it would break that and it would ruin that. Mm -hmm. And it kept me from doing a lot of things. So yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing some, some good reflection right now and trying to figure out how will this look the rest of the year or at least maybe the next training block. And then reassess again after that. I still want to progress forward and upward, but the means might
0: be slightly different. It's never linear, nor will it ever be. And you can always use that as a nice pillow to sleep on. It doesn't have to look like this pretty graph of training that progresses by two reps each week or increases by pacing one second per mile each week, uh, resulting in your best performance. It rarely works that way. And so if you can come to peace with that, that training progression and getting better is not linear, and it certainly is not at all times, then... You can, I don't know. It's a nice soft pill to sleep on. It sort of makes me think of if you remember the Joey Keeler interview we did. Uh, he wrote a book called Race Great when it kind of Run Great when it counts, and he's a high school coach. And mm-hmm. he literally is like, "Well, these are all good serviceable workouts for what we're trying to do right now." He like pick them out of a hat. I got twenty workouts in here. I'm gonna close my eyes and pick one because ultimately they're all gonna end up in the same place. And he like underthinks it. And he's had really good success with his athletes doing so. And not that that's necessarily should be the approach, but it was like the only only coach we talked to who took that philosophy. Like, you know what? Like, we're going to jumble it all up and it's all going to come out the other end looking the same. So why don't we take the pressure off of overthinking? And there's something to it. I don't know exactly what it is, but it makes me think of that interview we did with him.
1: You know, I cringed when he said it. In so our did conversation. I. Me and too. I'm internally squirming again now hearing you say it, but it doesn't change the fact that there is a version of that that will work best for each person. Right. Like we cannot be crippled by our planning. And sometimes I think I cripple myself with my planning. So there is a version of that that I need to
0: adopt. Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, actually pick workouts out of a hat, but just there's different ways to look at this. Last question, and then I want to wrap this thing up. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm doing pseudo-German volume training myself on days I'm in the gym, doing a higher rep scheme, higher volume. Uh, I have a number of my athletes doing German volume training. Some are still on low rep power schemes. Um, I know you've done both, Mm -hmm. and I've done both. Um, Do you feel like the German volume training, again, roughly – 10 sets of 10 reps on these big movements Did that factor in it all for you. Do you, is the, is the v- verdict still out on that? Or what do you, what do you think? The jury's still out on that. I think, is that how the phrase goes? Is the jury still out or is the verdict still out? The jury's still out. Is the verdict still out.
1: Jury's still out. The verdict's not quite in yet. That's what it is. Uh, it's, it's a, the sample size is too small for me, but it didn't go badly. Yeah. The way I felt out there, none of it made sense why I felt the way I did, which means everything's doing something. What I will say is that three weeks ago, two and a half, I switched from 10 by 10 to three by five and felt like a freaking rock star doing it. Mm -hmm. It felt so good to push hard against the bar on each rep and to really have to brace and go. Because 10 by 10, you can kind of I mean, if you're doing it right, it's real work, but not always for the first four or five sets. So three by five suddenly felt really good again. And it felt like it tied together nicely that transition into a race. Hmm. Even though I wasn't trying to do that. I didn't know three weeks ago I was racing, but it was starting to put out more on each rep right at the time where you're going to have to do that in competition. So I don't know if maybe it freshened me up a little bit too. 10 by 10 is just a lot of volume. It is. And it, leads to fatigue so freshening up slightly had to have helped as well but that whatever i did six weeks of 10 by 10 into three weeks by three by five felt really nice and so i'm going to run that back again next block and and see how that times with a different style of race and a different uh the next level of
0: training block that i'll be doing now see how
1: that fits in with that
0: it certainly didn't hurt and it sounds like then you no. Um tapered not tapered, in, that's not the right word, but you didn't take German volume training all the way to race day. You ended up doing some more higher nope. out power output, lower volume stuff to just reduce damage, increase power, kind of refine um towards as things got yeah. closer. I mean, which makes sense. That's a trajectory I would prescribe as well. But okay. I was curious what your thoughts were there. But the the stations that it would have helped on, it did help
1: on. Walking lunges. Mine were much improved. Mm-hmm. Know, things like burpee broad jump sled push and pull i didn't get to do any wall balls right <laughs> which was just fine with me but that's a station it would have showed up on because mm-hmm. i was feeling trashed coming into that it felt like the last rep of a really hard interval session now go do wall balls that would have showed me exactly what sort of staying power strength wise i had in me and i didn't get to find that out which i am not remorseful mm-hmm. about but uh that would have been a much
0: more like definitive point, I think. Rich stole that opportunity from you. Selfish.
1: He is. <laughs> he is.
0: Really, really is. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add in before we uh, wrap up?
1: Yeah, the community. Lisa and I saw a lot of running public listeners out there. Yeah. Got to chat with a lot of people. A uh, lot of people on course yelling race brain or running public or mod or whatever it was. Uh, it was nonstop. It felt like a home meet. Mm. Is what it felt like, where this, your fan base is in the crowd. That's what it felt like a, a, a home meet, and that was an awesome feeling. It was nonstop from the time we got there to the time we left. We were running into people that we knew or knew us or used our work or, Hey, I've been doing this or thanks for this. And the interesting part is that I don't think anyone brought up more than two or three repeat points or episodes that they wanted to to say thanks about or talk about. Everyone had something like this episode with whoever really helped Mm -hmm. me this last training block. There weren't a lot of repeats, which was kind of cool to hear. It was just a lot of people saying, hey, your interview with blank was great, or I really had this takeaway, and it was all over the board. Hmm. Different walks of life. It was just a positive weekend. It was great seeing everyone, and I appreciated the support out there.
0: Doesn't going just just momentum fuels more momentum, and going to something like this just makes you itching to get back out mm-hmm. and do it again? like one step leads to the next and it's like one of those things where you can feel it's starting to build now. Right. You're like, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I dipped my toes in the water. It wasn't so scary. In fact, Damn. I can't wait to do it again. It's a good feeling.
1: Best one was we had a, we had two guys come up. Two guys walked up, and they went, oh, my God, and walked right past me and said, are you Lisa Crocker from The Running Public? <laughs> we heard you on the <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> and asked if I'd take a picture. It was, it was good. That's am-
0: <laughs> How'd Lisa handle that? It was funny. That's they they talked about
1: her her uh, hosting the Q&A.
0: And That's awesome. It was good. I love hearing that. Well, congratulations, North American High Rocks men's doubles champ, Bracken Crocker and Rich Ryan. Smashed the competition. Mm -hmm. that's a big deal
1: it'd be a bigger deal if that were the 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 a race of the weekend
0: Uh, whatever
1: we had good competition to run against but let's also be clear that the pros were doing the pro
0: wave minus rich ryan minus rich ryan yeah
1: rich oh my goodness rich would have been on that podium Mm -hmm, for sure great race
0: he would have rolled right through with dylan
1: and Dave. You did a great
0: job commentating, too. I, I was shocked at how out-of-the-loop Hunter was. He didn't have a freaking clue who was who <laughs> and what was going on. I was like, that dude checked out. The the moment he stopped raising high rocks, I was like, this guy doesn't know what's happening, which is uh, I think amusing. we were lucky
1: to get what we got out of him. <laughs> He called me the day before and said, "Hey, I might dip out after the men's race." <laughs> uh, I was just happy he was there the whole time.
0: Yeah, it was I was I was laughing at his like ignorance with some of the stuff going on right now. It was funny and Jess was poor Jess was held captive in the in my truck uh listening to it all. So she probably deserves a thank you as well. But um all right, man. It was fun seeing him. I was thinking two things coming up. We got a lot of messages about wanting to just explain generally the outline of our training plans. I got a bunch of messages, people asking to do that. So we should think about doing that coming up. And then uh, Jeremy Whitley, who's um, been interacting with us uh, and a a longtime listener, and I've had a few calls with him, who's fantastic, has been We've been really getting into the details of why uphill running is so beneficial and why it's so beneficial for your flat running. And he had sent you and I a bunch of articles to read, and there's a lot of science behind why uphill running translates to better fitness and flat running. And I thought maybe if there's an interest, we'd do a couple of those episodes coming up, explaining the training plan and then kind of diving into maybe more of the science behind uphill running and why why it's so effective for flat running. So two things probably on the docket's what I'm thinking, Bracken. You know, I'm all in on both of those. Yeah, buddy. All right, well, Friday. We'll see everybody Friday.
1: Yes, we will. Thanks for the support this weekend, ladies and gents. It was much appreciated.
0: Till next time.